We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's up, everybody? I'm EJ Kissel. This is KCSN Update, our daily Chief show and podcast here at KC Sports Network. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Hope everyone had a fantastic post-holiday break. Always a little different to get things going uh, after the time off, and especially for us with our kids. Uh, they're actually excited uh, to be back in school and be around their friends, but hope you all had a great break. It's Friday, so as per usual, I'm joined by Pro Football Focus's Trevor Sykema, uh, who is going to talk a little key matchups. Obviously, we'll react to the NFL's uh, decision there, Trevor, on the AFC playoff seating. Ah, yes. Uh, lucky me being able to sort through <laughs> all of this new playoff scenario mess. But no, it's going to be good to uh, be able to get all these things out, talk about all the scenarios, and then, of course, talk about the key matchups as well. Yeah, I I don't know. We'll get into it, but uh, Chiefs fans, I thought the NFL actually did a pretty good job uh, figuring out a way to make it as fair as possible in a really bad situation uh, with everything going on. And obviously, we're continuing to hope and pray for more great news uh, from DeMar Hamlin. Uh, but we got to talk through this because the NFL made decisions. The NFL owners are voting on it. Uh, really curious to get your thoughts. But first, here's a quick um, update and round through the headlines going on with the Chiefs right now. We've got the latest injury report that came out for the Chiefs now that that game is on Saturday against the Raiders. Uh, the official injury report comes out a day earlier, normally comes out on Friday. But uh, a couple, a few Chiefs, four Chiefs listed as questionable going into this game on Saturday. That's left guard Joe Tooney. Uh, dealing with an ankle, cornerback Legereus Sneed is listed as questionable with the hip. Uh, has been a limited participant at practice this week. Wide receiver Sky Moore, who we saw injure his hand, they showed it on the broadcast last week, uh, did not practice, and he is out for this game on Saturday. McCole Hardman, uh, listed with a pelvis, has been limited all week. He is officially listed as questionable. He has not played in a while, so it would be uh, good to see McCole get back out on the field, but uh, something to pay attention to as the inactives come out about 90 minutes before kickoff. Uh, and then kicker Harrison Butker dealing with that those back spasms uh, was listed as a full participant at practice on Friday, but is listed as questionable going into this game. So now we're gonna I'm gonna read through what the NFL put out um, 
regarding the AFC playoff scenarios. And it's, it's quite a bit of information, uh, but it'll give Trevor and I some context here to get through it. So uh, the NFL had announced that the week 17 game against between the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals uh, would be canceled and not be resumed and listed as a no contest. Uh, and then here's what they have uh, as far as the key factors in arriving at that decision. And then not playing the Buffalo Cincinnati game to its conclusion will have no effect on which clubs qualify for the postseason. No club would qualify for the postseason and no club would be eliminated based on the outcome of that game. Uh, it would require postponing the start of the playoffs for one week, thereby affecting 14 different teams that qualified for postseason play. And also making the decision prior to week 18 is consistent with their pet competitive advantage principles and enables all clubs to know that playoff possibilities prior to the playing the final weekend of regular season games. So that's where the NFL was coming from in making uh, this kind of list that, again, NFL owners will be voting on. Trevor, curious to get your thoughts here in a sec also on this because – I'd be really surprised if this was the first time NFL owners were seeing this proposal uh, as it's being voted on, uh, as it kind of got leaked and you know put out to the press and the media um, on Thursday night. But um, here are the scenarios. Scenario one, Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie, and obviously it's talking about games this weekend. A Buffalo versus Kansas City championship game would be played at a neutral site. A lot of confusion for Chiefs fans um, on social media last night. At the end of the day, the only – real scenario if the chiefs win on saturday that they're not playing that they are not wouldn't have home field advantage throughout the playoffs is if buffalo who also needs to win their game this weekend makes it to the afc championship game that game would be played at a neutral site the other opportunities or situations in which the chiefs would not play at home for an afc title game all have to do if the chiefs lose to the raiders so the chiefs beat the raiders the only chance or the only way in which they would not have home field for the AFC title game is if the Bills would make it because Cincinnati has one more loss. So that's the way that that played out. But scenario two, Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties. A Buffalo versus Kansas City championship game would be at a neutral site. So again, that's saying if the Chiefs lose to the Raiders. So we'll leave it right there. That's kind of for Chiefs fans. That's kind of where we're coming from with this. Um, Trevor, curious your thoughts because – from a Chiefs fan perspective, I feel like they did the best they could, but we also, compared to Cincinnati, didn't necessarily um, get come out of this as unscathed as uh, it seems like the Bengals have. What are your thoughts on how it all played out? Yeah, it's just it's it's it was really tough for the Bengals, and obviously, like everybody was saying in the days leading up, first and foremost, everybody was like, "Hey, let's make sure that Demar Hamlin's going to be okay," because of you know, course. if yeah. it could have been other things, then we would have been having a much worse conversation. So we're having a better conversation about this, but it's it's hard to imagine a team wouldn't have gotten a little bit screwed either way. Like no matter how right. you would, because you even look at how the rule was stated, and it was just like, "Hey, you know, if there if if there's a canceled game, you basically." The rules stay the same. You know, division uh, opponents are are up against head to head. If there's some sort of tie, or if the uh, win percentage is higher for one team, they simply win the division. And so, even that would have kind of not been fair, right? Because you go to the Bengals, and the rule for the Bengals right now, at least the way that I interpret it, is they've won the AFC North, and if yeah. they if they lose to the Ravens in Week 18, then 
if they play in the wild card in that first round, if they end up matching up, then it's just going to be a coin flip for who ends up hosting the game. Now, Bengals fans are kind of mad about that because they're like, how is that possible? You're giving us the AFC North Championship. You're making the schedule more difficult for us next year because we won the AFC North, and yet you're not guaranteeing us home field advantage for at least one round in the wild card. But if you look at it, Buffalo would have won that game in Kansas City, or sorry, if Buffalo would have won that game in Cincinnati, and if the Ravens would beat the Bengals, they'd have the same exact record, and the Bengals or the Ravens would be two and zero against the Bengals this year, which means that the Ravens would have won the division. So it's almost like they're yeah. getting gifted the division, but they're <clears throat> kind of being punished for it. The only part of this that I really think I don't agree with the most, though, is if Cincinnati and Buffalo both win this weekend and they match up against each other in the divisional round, mm-hmm. it appears as though Buffalo will host that game no matter what. And that, to me, is the most unfair thing about this because there was a path where Cincinnati beats Buffalo this past mm-hmm. Monday night, and then that game would have been in Cincinnati if they were to have gotten the two seed in all this so you almost take away their control of destiny there and if you're going to make it a neutral site game for the afc championships which i don't totally hate i feel like you kind of also would have needed to make it a neutral site game between the bengals and the bills or at least do the coin flip thing because both of them had a chance to host that game and now only one team really has a chance to host that game so those are my thoughts with it in a very complicated situation I want to get your, your thoughts on this because I, I don't know this. And this is just kind of putting together how organized the NFL is. And that I would be really surprised if the first time, at least from the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs, and probably Ravens perspective, because those are the teams that are kind of affected the most with with what's going on with the AF playoff, AFC playoff seating, is that I'd be surprised if at least the ownership groups or owners of those four teams hadn't kind of talked through or seen this already. I know that the NFL owners, and by the time you're listening to this, depending upon uh, what time this show gets out, though, though that information may already be out there uh, as far as what happened with the voting. I just, I'd be surprised if the first time the owners saw it was last night when it got put out to the press. So almost seems like they put it out to see how people react yes. uh, and then fix anything. Cause they don't have time. They have to fix it. Before the end of that meeting on Friday, they have to come to a decision on how this is going to play out because the Chiefs play less than 24 hours after their meeting or right about 24 hours after this meeting is taking place. Right. So, uh, And it is taking place virtually. So um, they got to get to answers. I'd be surprised if, if it wasn't already kind of put out there. There was no good way for the NFL to do anything where there wasn't going to be somebody or some team that felt like they got the the long wrong end of it i hadn't thought through some of the ways they're doing this with neutral sites and all of that i feel like again it's easy to say from our point of view because we win we take care of business we'll be okay unless we play buffalo Uh, i know some chiefs fans are really upset about that game being played in a neutral site i go back to i understand how the rules are written but buffalo beat kansas city uh so that game being played at a neutral site right isn't right you had a chance there's there's got to not be a it's not a punishment to the chiefs uh that some people are taking it that way but um mm-hmm. thoughts on the nfl i mean am i out to lunch here and thinking that you know owners have already probably seen this and it was a way of the nfl getting this information out kind of seeing the reaction if there was something that they missed or just some real strong public pushback that they saw uh last night after it got released that they can discuss that and kind of assess that going into this meeting to get to a final decision 
Yeah, I mean, let's be real about it. They've been talking about it since Monday night, right? Even yeah. before they knew exactly what was going to happen, they were coming up with contingency plans. There is so much money on the line with where you play these games and how you play these games and at what date you play these games and all that kinds of stuff. And of course, you know, I know a lot of people don't necessarily give the NFL a lot of benefit of the doubt, but like, I do think that they were handling this situation very delicately with DeMar and they wanted that to yeah. unfold first and foremost. And really, there's a reason why we're getting this news and information after we've kind of heard what the prognosis of, of DeMar has been and how he's improved. And that's obviously the most important thing. But yeah. yeah, they've they've been talking about this since Monday night. In fact, the people in the league who are making decisions on this, especially at the the main NFL level, I don't know if they've slept for the last three days trying to figure out a scenario that would work the most. And also, I 100% agree with you. They've been in contact with all of the owners of all 32 NFL teams. They're not just seeing this for the first time like we are. There's yeah. no possible way. And in fact, I think that when you, you saw the immediate outcry from certain owners and certain representatives of teams immediately because they weren't just seeing this for the first time they weren't like yep. okay hold on let me analyze this they already knew whether they liked it or they were mad about it that's right. why we see we saw immediate reaction from them so no yep. I, I don't think it would have been possible for them to have seen what the nfl put out yesterday and then vote on it correctly the way that they needed to this morning they've already seen it they've they already kind of know which way they're voting and the vote i think the nfl is hoping is quick yeah, I think what is it? It's got to get. I get, they got to get twenty four out of thirty two owners to approve yeah. of it in order for it to go into effect. So it's a big and, number, but I I, I do kind of think they will. And the NFL, the the scenario in which it's probably the most unfair is the one that you mentioned right off the top. And it's interesting uh, regarding the the Bengals Ravens coin flip situation and kind of the division championship. And that the one pushback you saw and it came out immediately was from the Bengals, a VP for the Bengals kind of came out and said like, or it was le an internal memo was leaked saying, hey, we don't think that this is fair because it was probably the most unfair part of that. And when they had those decisions over the last several days, that was probably mentioned quite a bit. It was like, this is the best of the, a bad situation that we have where the Bengals immediately came out and kind of said like, hey, we know this stuff coming out right now is not fair. And we're going to show you that we did push back before that narrative starts to right. build and Bengals fans like, Hey, why did we let this, this isn't fair. It's like Bengals respond immediately. So they know at least they're pushing back on that one area. See what the owners decide today. But uh, those are the headlines right now. Again, uh, chiefs injury report, four players listed as questionable uh, and sky Moore not playing in this game against uh, the Raiders on Saturday. And then obviously with the AFC playoff seating will be the news throughout Friday of as far as how that vote went down, what uh, NFL owners have decided. Uh, we're going to get Trevor's key matchup for the game uh, between the Raiders and the Chiefs here in just a second. But now a quick word from our friends over at DraftKings, the presenting sponsor of KCSN Update. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. TCU and Georgia, that's the game Monday nights, the favorite that's been the favorite all season long against the underdog that's really taking the college football landscape by storm this year in TCU. I personally, I'm going to say loyal to the Big 12 and root for TCU in this one. Uh, but right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. 
Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. I love the DraftKings app because it's easy to navigate and I can find the players I'm looking for quick and easy. I love to bet simple on my Same Game Parlays. I pick an over-under, I pick a team that I like. Um, I always struggle taking the under just because I love some action. But you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see the show notes for details all right we're talking a little chiefs and raiders now key matchup with pro football focus is trevor sykema trevor as we have done this every week uh there seems to be um, uh, consistencies with the different things that we talk about and when you talk about the raiders uh even without Derek carr uh, they still got some offensive weapons, uh, one in particular that uh, can take over a game uh, if you're not careful about the way that you go up against them. I know talking key matchups, you want to start uh, with that wide, Raiders wide receiver, their big move in the offseason, and Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mean, key number one has to be what happens with Devontae Adams, right? Because the entire offense just moves all the way through him. It doesn't even matter who's playing quarterback, as we've seen last week with what Jared Siddham was able to do. You just throw it up to 17 and he'll make magic happen. Uh, there are so many different great wide receivers in the NFL, but I truly believe that Devontae Adams has mastery over the position better than any receiver in the NFL. When it comes to release and footwork and hands and concentration and concentrated catches and route running and just everything, man, he is unbelievable at it. And that's, of course, where the Raiders are going to run their offense through. Look, I know a lot of people want to look back at last week, and we'll look at last week plenty when the Raiders almost upset what feels like the best team in the NFC in the San Francisco 49ers, and they go, how did they do this with Jared Siddham? I do believe that either a drastic change at quarterback or a drastic change at head coach really does have this almost slingshot of positive effect on a team the immediate week after. Now, some people go, oh, is that because they don't have any tape on these guys? Or is it like extra motivation, extra focus, whatever it is? It just seems to happen all the time. So I'm not really counting on another superhuman effort from Jarrett Stidham again this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. But if we do get it, it's going to come in the form of somewhere between 13 to 17 targets, double-digit catches, over 150 yards, a touchdown or two from Devontae Adams. Like that, That's just how it's going to happen. Darren Waller looked great last week as well, getting in on the offense. And Jared Siddham was spreading it around plenty, but it started and ended with how Devontae Adams was able to play. And so this is a game where I think a lot of people are going to look at it on paper and say, Oh, yeah, especially, you know, like when you're looking at the playoff scenarios, it's like, oh, if the Chiefs win in week 18, if this, if that, a lot of people are looking at this game against the Raiders and saying, all right, Kansas City's going to win. <laughs> the, the key matchup has to be that if there is a reason why Kansas City loses outside of being catastrophic with turnovers, it's the fact that Devontae Adams went off. And yeah. what ha what happened in the earlier matchup that they had this season? Devontae Adams went off, and they almost lost. So I think that that's just where the conversation always has to start. It's an obvious one, but Devontae is that good of a player. It's all about him. Yeah, last time these two teams met back in Week Six, Chiefs win thirty to twenty nine. It's the infamous Chris Jones sack fumble uh, play. Uh, that uh, the NFL started talking about is around the same time as the Tom Brady getting thrown down and all the conversations regarding 
uh, protecting quarterbacks and all that. But yeah, to your point, Devonte Adams three only had three catches uh, in the first matchup, but 124 yards and two touchdowns uh, continuing uh, to go off. It'll be great again, a great test for the young defensive backs. We talked about it all year for the Chiefs, but Trent McDuffie, those guys that are going to face the Jamar Chase, the the Gabe Davises, the Stephon Diggs, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all those guys that either the Bengals, the Bills have, uh, the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill, like whoever they end up going against, they're going to have some big time. Uh, wide receivers that they're going to be going up against and Devonte Adams, obviously a huge test. Curious to get your thoughts. I, to your point, I was really surprised. We had to pick like one of the three most surprising performances so far this season uh, across the entire NFL, how the Raiders performed last week against the Niners completely <laughs> surprised me. They basically do away with Derek Carr in what I thought was a pretty disrespectful way, considering how, much he's meant to that organization. And that's hard for me to say as a Chiefs fan because I despise the Raiders, but feel like he's deserved better if this is the end of the road for Derek Carr. No, nothing ends well, but feel like they could take care of him a little bit better uh, than they are right now. Knowing Denzel Perriman uh, got placed on IR. Chandler Jones got placed on IR. Everything that we've heard about Josh McDaniels because of his time in Denver and just being kind of aware, never seemed like the coach that's going to rally all his guys uh, to see to, push through the end of a season uh maybe that's not fair but you know we kind of made that point with lovey smith and the texans like these young guys are playing really hard for him you know there's no quitting them all those things really surprised how well the raiders came out and played but i've got one stat for you before uh we close up this key matchup trevor our joseph hefner our sports data analytics guy did some some research on the chiefs and how they kind of play down to opponents so they don't necessarily just go out and take <laughs> care of business when they're playing sure. teams that they should beat and that I think it was 19 games in which the Chiefs going into it were had a win probability between 80 and 100 percent. So games in which like, hey, the Chiefs are going to win this game. It's just a matter of by how much. The games in which they were favored to or win probability between 80, I think it was 81 and 100 mm -hmm. percent. I think there was 19 of those games. The Chiefs only covered the spread 49 percent of the time in those games. So it's quantifying when the Chiefs are going to win and you know they're going to blow them out and do all of that. They're only taking care of business in terms of the way Vegas looks at it 49% of the way. So for mm. Chiefs fans, they're like, we always play down. There's a quantifiable way of explaining how you feel in those games. And again, this game on Saturday is another one of those games where Chiefs fans feel like, hey, we should take care of business. We should go out there and play well. I know the last game, Chiefs won by one point. Seeing how the Raiders performed last week, even with Jared Stidham, even without those guys defensively not playing, going to be a tough one. And obviously to your key matchup, stopping or slowing down Devontae Adams uh, is a huge one. So Trevor, nice, uh, nice key matchup right there. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, let's move on and get your other key matchups that you've got. Again, talking with Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus and his key matchups for the Chiefs and the Raiders on Saturday. We just got done talking about Devontae Adams. Trevor, what else do you got for us? Pressure production against Jared Stidham. You know, for as much as I am, I said that I'm, I'm not expecting a repeat superhuman performance from Jared Stidham like we saw against the San Francisco 49ers, because any way you want to slice it, San Francisco 49ers have an incredible defense. And for Jared Stidham to play the way that he did, three touchdowns, 365 passing yards, taking him down to the wire in overtime, that's damn impressive, right? I'm not expecting that kind of a performance But you do have to take little things from that. And when you look at Stidham specifically, what impressed me the most about last week's game is how comfortable he was using his mobility to not just be a scrambler, because I think younger quarterbacks or inexperienced quarterbacks that have the gift of mobility, they they have some athleticism with their legs, They all the, a lot of them go, okay, I'm hiking the ball, I'm looking at the defense, I got one read, if it's not there, I'm feeling pressure, I'm probably going to take off with it. Stidham was more of the, all right, hike the ball. I got pressure around me. Let me maneuver this way and keep my eyes downfield. Let me look at my second read. Let me go to my third read. And it wasn't just Mm -hmm. this tuck and run kind of a thing like we have seen with Stidham before. We even saw that uh, when he was playing for Auburn. His stats under pressure against the 49ers. 65.5 passing grade under pressure, which under pressure, it's really good grade. I know a lot of people out there are used to hearing like 80s and and 90s PFF grades and things like that. But under pressure, 65.5 is a pretty dang good performance when you are, when you've got guys in your face. Yeah, go ahead. I, I got a funny thing. It makes me laugh because when Pro Football Focus, when the stats were first coming out, a lot of people, and this is not dunking on anyone uh, too much, uh, but when the stats came out, people <laughs> would use the stats and be like, you just got to get them under pressure. Their numbers are worse under pressure. Like, all quarterbacks' numbers are worse right, under right. pressure. That's it. Quite if you were literally to, the definition of why you want pressure. If, so, you were to, if you were to sort, yeah, if you were to sort all the quarterbacks' performances in, I, I'll say, like any given week, right? If, if you were to just sort how passive performances would be. You'd probably get maybe a couple elite grades in the low 90s. Yeah, yeah. maybe you get four, five, six performances in the 80s and then a decent amount of them in the 70s because that's kind of how it goes. You know, yeah, average performance, you're probably going to be somewhere in the 70s with a passing grade. If you take all that and then just click the pressure button on so only see how they did under pressure, yeah. even the very best are going to go down to like high 70s, high yeah. 60s. You're sorry, like low 70s, high 60s. So for Stidham to have a 65 and a half passing rate against pressure, really impressive. Almost 70% 
adjusted completion percentage again under pressure 131 passing yards he had those three scrambles but he had five first downs as well uh, both with his legs and with his arms most importantly zero turnover worthy plays when he was under pressure last week against a really damn good defense so my thought there is Maybe Stidham is certainly maturing as a quarterback. Maybe he is handling pressure a lot better than he had in the past. And I will give him that benefit there because we saw a lot of it last week. But you know what you can't do? Or you know when you can't throw a first down? When your butt's on the ground, you get sacked. You know when you can't rush for a first down? When your butt's on the ground, you got sacked. You know, you you, you can't complete passes. You can't throw touchdowns. You can't do all of this when you're on the ground because you got sacked. So it's a different game. I am a firm believer of disruption is production. When you get pressure on quarterbacks, it makes them worse. But there are some guys where, like for example, Patrick Mahomes is one of them. Joe Burrow is one of them. Josh Allen's one of them. If you don't physically get them down, if you do <laughs> not stop the play, they can still hurt you even when they're under pressure. And I'm yeah. not saying that Jared Stidham is in that tier one of quarterbacks with those names that I mentioned, but he certainly played like, he could really play well under pressure last week. And so that's kind of my thing is you've got to allocate the resources and you've got to emphasize to the defensive line or whoever's going to the line of scrimmage, it ain't about just getting your hands up. Go get this guy and put him on the ground. Give him a, give, give him a couple of hits. Get him to the ground a little bit. Make him think twice about how he is navigating the pocket because of the sacks he's going to take. So that is my, that is my second key point. I want to put you on the spot a little bit to look up some stats for us real quick on George right. Karloftis. I will do uh, this last, as I, I can. Last time we did this, I believe I'd seen that George Karloftis was top three in rookie edge rushers among uh, sacks and pressures. It was James Houston and Aiden Hutchinson from the Lions uh, that had either more pressures or sacks. Pretty crazy for the Lions that have it's two rookies. It's so funny. <laughs> that are up there. Not surprising with Aiden Hutchinson, but James Houston. Not sure. I know you're a draft guy. Uh, what your thoughts were on James Houston, James Houston coming out and playing uh, with the impact that he's had as a rookie. But uh, you talk about getting pressure on Stidham, and I'm going to always talk about my guy, George Karloftis, because I was the one banging the drum at the beginning of the season saying that he was going to surpass or break Derek Thomas's rookie sack record. Uh, for the Chiefs for most sacks by a rookie back in 1989. Derek Thomas had 10 sacks, so I thought that uh, that number could be in jeopardy. And you know what? He's come on strong here at the end of the season. He's got five sacks in his last six games. Uh, He's sitting at five and a half right now, which is tied for fifth most by a rookie in franchise history with a few players, one of which notably is Justin Houston. So I just need him, Trevor, to get about three sacks against the Raiders uh, on Saturday. And then uh, I'm going to go ahead and count playoff sacks towards his rookie total. I know the, sure. the record yeah. looks won't, but we're going to go ahead and just throw those in there. Because, uh, you know, postseason sacks just, you know, they just mean more. It's like the SEC. It just means more uh, to get those sacks in the playoffs. So he has uh, five and a half sacks, which is third in the NFL behind both for rookies. This is all for rookies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's third behind James Houston and Aiden Hutchinson, who have seven and a half and seven. Uh, Karloftis does have 42 pressures, which only trails Aiden Hutchinson. And pass rush win percentage, Karloftis is eighth among rookies at 12.9%. So there you go. It's, you know what? It's not bad. I, I don't know if you guys put numbers out like this. If not teasing something for pro football focus to, to do in the future uh, as far as like maybe an off season project. Cause uh, everybody's looking for, you know, interesting ways to contextualize things as we get into the off season uh, and feed the appetite of NFL, the NFL content machines with all the different fan bases, but the rookie wall, especially for 
for like edge rushers where there's a like quantifiable um, information as opposed to like defensive backs and that stuff where it could be a little trickier. But it just seems I'm trying to figure out a way to contextualize how impressive it is that George Karloftis is coming on strong towards the end of a season in which we normally say this is where rookies hit a wall. They've played a lot of snaps. They're getting beat up. They're playing in the NFL at, you know, obviously the highest level that they've ever played. They've been going hard since training camp. And especially for George Karloftis as somebody from the very beginning of the season has been in the rotation and playing a lot of snaps for the Chiefs defense. So it's just more impressive to me that he's coming on strong late when we don't, normally at this point we talk about guys hitting a wall. Yeah, and I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the right metaphor, the right word. I wouldn't even necessarily say that it's hitting a wall because you see some rookies, James Houston is an example. Come onto an NFL field, boom, like hit the ground running or play incredible in their first four, five, six games, whatever it is. And then sometimes in the second half of that season, yeah, maybe you see a little bit of a wall. For other guys, like for example, for Karloftis, okay, might be, be a little bit more of a slow burn. And now here at the end of the season, he's putting it all together and he's playing really, really well. Okay, well, it's not like he hit a wall, but I do think no matter what, within your first two years in the NFL, I would say, you will hit your first, you will hit your first valley. Like the the mm-hmm. it's it's always just it's ups and downs it, it's peaks and valleys when you are a first second and even third year player in the NFL as you are learning your journey into your own strengths and how you become the best version of the player that you can be and so whether that first hit of adversity whether that first valley is within the first five games whether it's the last eight games whether it's the beginning of your second season whether it's the middle of your second season like whatever it is young players always have that that valley. And the the most important part of their career is how they get out of that, like where they go from it. Do they, are they able to attack that adversity or maybe that deficiency in their game, something that might have worked in college that doesn't work at the pro level, how they get over that initial valley will tell you a lot about how long they're going to be in the league and how effective they're going to be. Um, yeah. And I, I and I don't know if yeah maybe, maybe calling it a wall is the way that you say it. Just it, it, it could happen anytime within their first three years and getting over that or whatever you want to say. But that's kind of how I view young players because all of them can peak at different times. And it's also in talking through it and hearing you explain it. It's also you know at the NFL level, you know, I mean, obviously being a pro football focus and the the work that you do with NFL teams, and I think that that gets lost a lot of times with you know fans publicly talking about pro football folks. And we've talked about this before about the grades and with Patrick Mahomes and how it all works. It's so much public facing stuff that PFF does, mm-hmm. but I know, and this, I don't think this is a surprise. Like the Kansas city chiefs, like use pro football focus in a, a set of statistics and information that is not made available to the public and how much you guys do kind of behind the scenes there. But you know, the ability and the amount of information that the NFL gets on every game that you get to the second half of a season, we're talking about hitting that wall. Maybe it's not as much about hitting a wall as it is the t- the guys that you're going up against. They can study what you've been good at, what you've had success with, and then you got scouting reports on you, like, hey, such and such rookie has had some a lot of success because he's really good at one thing. Mm-hmm. That then all of a sudden the second half it's taken away from you, uh, and that 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 kind of that chess match. And so maybe that this is, I mean, I'm connecting a lot of dots here, but maybe it's it's impressive that Carl Loftus is coming on strong late in the season because he's shown an ability to win in different ways and that you can't just take one thing away from him or block or do certain kind of sets to slow him down that he's kind of well-rounded in that way is that a fair kind of assessment obviously we're connecting dots here but again just talking through generally how we see rookies struggle you see with quarterbacks a 
a lot with young quarterbacks who step in after like a week or two of having success. All of a sudden they have that really, really bad game because mm-hmm. they're seeing some defensive coordinators watching him for two weeks. Like, okay, right. we know what he's comfortable with. We're going to take this stuff away. Can that work with edge rushers too? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it works with yeah. every single position. It, it's, it's not about how hot your start is in the NFL career. I'm not saying that like that's not important. If you could start out, you could hit the ground running, you could start out hot, it's great. But it's not about how hot you start. It's truly about how you get out of that first valley that you encounter for whatever it is, whether you're a speed Mm -hmm. rusher and people start really being able to counter your speed. They, 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 um, don't allow you to get open space in much. You know they short set you and get physical with you early. Like what, whatever they angle you correctly. They're you're you're getting too predictable. Whatever it is, it's how you counter that. Do you have a counter move? No. Are you going to hit him inside? Can you get a little bit stronger? Can you get better with your technique? Like whatever it is, it's always about what that next phase of your game is so i agree with that completely and i think that that's why a lot of teams obviously use the product and that's why uh you can see a lot of players do as well i'm curious your thoughts talk about like peaks and valleys then when we're talking about patrick mahomes Mm -hmm. uh well his first season (laughs) five thousand yards and 50 touchdowns we've seen patrick mahomes if patrick mahomes second season is his valley at you know, 26 touchdowns five interceptions 66 percent completion percentage over four thousand yards I mean, if we've seen Patrick Mahomes Valley, it just happens to be as low as most quarterbacks best seasons of their career. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I would I would tell you, like, I feel like I feel like he's he's obviously so talented. He's one of the rare players who have ever played the game like he yeah. he is to the point where maybe we have seen his his valley and like he's just <laughs> that damn good. Like the ceiling is that damn good. But I will say, like, Mahomes is going to be a chief, you, you would think, forever, right? I, yeah. I just, as long as he is going on this trajectory, it feels like he's going to be a Kansas City chief forever. And that feels like it could be for the next decade, right? We could see another 10 years of it. Eventually, this current core that they have, and we already saw it with Tyree Kill leaving last offseason, like, it's going to go away. Like, Travis Kelsey isn't going to be this good right. forever. You know, like wow. in, even in even in the next. Sorry, tra- all all due respect <laughs> to Travis Kelsey. Um, but like you would think that in the next like three or four years or something, this guy is going to start to slow down, and you're going to have to turn the page with that. And like, I am very, I can't wait to see what Patrick Mahomes is after this current early regime of him, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, like obviously Andy Reid being there, but. What's what happens next? Is there a yeah. is, is there a valley that he has to go through, or is he that good that he just continues to elevate and continues to make superstars out of people and all that good stuff? I think he has that ability. I think he has that capability. So that's the part that I kind of can't wait to watch. Is like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know he was other uh, ungodly good with Tyree Kill and with Travis Kelsey, and obviously that- he's, he's still incredible the way that he is now. But like, what's next? Like what, how, what does it look like next? This is what the Valley then like, you just walked me right into it. Like this was the Valley without Tyree kills. Like what's he going to be like when this whole, maybe it is defense go away. Maybe it is. Tyree kill leaves. And guess what? They need 300 yards. The chiefs offense needs at least 300 yards of total offense against the Raiders to set a franchise record for most 300 yard uh, games in, you know, team history. So that's a team thing, not just Mahomes. Mm-hmm. and Mahomes, 186 yards shy of passing drew Brees for the most passing slash com- passing and rushing yards in a season by a quarterback in NFL history. So his Valley without the most explosive wide receiver to ever play is 
another one of the best seasons that we've ever seen from a quarterback in NFL history. So. And that's why he's going to win MVP, right? Because yes. he because he answered those questions this year. And uh, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the third key matchup again, talking with Pro Football Focus's Trevor Sikama and his key matchups earlier in the show. Obviously, we went through the AFC playoff uh, scenarios and what the NFL voters or NFL owners will be voting on later today. But let's switch to the uh, other side of the ball, at least for the Raiders, and talk a little bit more about their defense and areas that uh, you think um, that could be in play on Saturday based on some recent struggles. Yeah, they just don't seem to cover players out of the backfield very well. Uh, the Raiders, for if you look at a full season, if you go week one through week 17, the Raiders are a top 10 unit in the NFL when defending players out of the backfield. EPA per rush, they are top 10 in that category. If you just go with the last five weeks, they're bottom 10. And so, like, that tells you, like, just how bad, how good they were to start the season and how bad they are at this point in the season. It, it, it's really taken a turn for the worst for them, which, yeah, understandably so. You've watched how the, the Raiders' season has kind of unfolded, and it's obviously not been going in the right direction. If you look at the linebacker level specifically, and I don't just talk about rushing the ball. Um, you look at Christian McCaffrey's stats last week, and obviously they were incredible because McCaffrey's incredible. But another 100-yard game, 121 yards out of the backfield, also caught 72 or caught uh, six passes for 72 yards. I, I think the, the the Chiefs can have success rushing, but also, like, this is a massive McKinnon game. Um, as if, yeah, I mean, not like it, McKinnon over the last five weeks, it hasn't been phenomenal for him. He scored, what, seven receiving touchdowns in the last five weeks? It's just, like, absolutely silly, but... This is another this is another game where I could expect a lot of production there because you look at the linebacker level specifically, there's not a linebacker on the Raiders roster that has a coverage grade above 61 and a half. It's bad. <laughs> That's bad. So wow. with as much success as McKinnon has been having in the passing game, this is another team that's going to be really susceptible for that. So hmm. I've, I've kind of said this over the last couple of weeks. I've really wanted to see the Chiefs lean on the run game a little bit more and just have a little bit more faith in the run game as they get into the postseason. We've talked about it here on this show. Like you're going to go up against teams like the Bengals and, and and the bills that are just going to kind of demand from you that you keep the other team's quarterback on the sideline. Now, who am I to say that the chiefs are doing anything wrong? Cause they're having a phenomenal season, a record breaking season, like you said there, but I just don't want the chiefs to get into the postseason and for the first time being like, all right, now let's really lean on the run game. And they go, well, we have had a lot of success running the football when you really needed to over the last, uh, I will say like second half of the season, or at least over the last couple of weeks. So this is the game. I've been saying this, I think the last couple of weeks, because the Chiefs' schedule has been so easy, honestly, but this is the game where I really want to see good backfield production out of the Chiefs going into the postseason. No matter what their seed is, no matter what happens with the playoffs or anything like that, I want to see a big Isaiah Pacheco game because I think that this is certainly a formula for it. So when you have a formula where you can make it happen, go make it happen. And then, of course, I think it's just going to be another big McKinnon game because Raiders don't really know how to defend pass catchers out of the backfield so that's the other matchup is backfield playmakers i think have a uh, another big day in store for them this week you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in kansas city kc sports network we'll be back right after this entertain educate inform kc sports network I love to hear it. Anything that's talking about getting uh, the pass game going, Jarek McKinnon, we saw the spark that not only he's had for the last five weeks, but as they went into the playoffs last year, that's really where it started. 
uh, as far as their ability to lean on Jarek McKinnon in some big-time ways. And we've seen the screen game <clears throat> down inside the red zone. Uh, I'm not sure there's anybody better at it uh, than Andy Reid as far as designing it, calling it at the right time, setting it up. Jarek McKinnon's definitely been a beneficiary of that whole entire uh, scheme working, obviously his vision, his ability to read the blocks of guys like Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney out in space uh, has been a lot of fun to watch. All right, Trevor, let's get your prediction before we wrap this show up. What do you expect to happen on Saturday between the Chiefs and the Raiders, knowing that uh, obviously Raiders, there's so many things on paper that would tell you not going to be close. Chiefs take care of business. Derek Carr, all the things we mentioned earlier, uh, Perriman, Chandler Jones not playing, mm-hmm. Chiefs by week home field except for the one scenario we talked about with the with the buffalo bills making it to the afc championship game that would be played at a neutral site so a lot to play for for the chiefs how do you see this one playing out i will say chiefs 31 raiders 17 i think it's gonna be 31 17 so i'm gonna go all right. What do you want to see? A couple. We'll ask a couple things uh, before we wrap this up. What do you, what do you want to see from the Chiefs? I know you cover the entire NFL, and you're not you're an unbiased NFL observer. <laughs> um, especially talking AFC, because I know you're a Bucks guy. Um, if you had to pick one, so what do you want to see from the Chiefs? This is a million dollar question here locally. What do you want to see from the Chiefs to feel better about their ability and, and your confidence in them? to go deep into the playoffs and make a deep playoff run. We talk a lot about the numbers and a lot about the kind of the ups and downs and the peaks and valleys that we talk about with different, you know, position groups playing well and all that. But what do you want to see from this team to feel good about them going to the playoffs? It goes back to kind of my last point that I was just talking about a couple of minutes ago. I want to see a healthy yards per carry average from the players out of the backfield. Uh, I would love to see above uh, four yards per carry average from guys like Isaiah Pacheco, even when you're giving it to Jarek McKinnon as well. I, I want to see a healthy yards per carry average, and I want to see them control time of possession. Now, when the end of the game ends up getting around, we we always see that just because of the ebbs and flows of a football game and how naturally it is, the time of possession gets decently even at the end of every single football game. But I, I want people to be able to look at this Kansas City Chiefs game, hopefully it's a win for them, and say yeah you look at the time of possession yeah the the difference was only you know a couple minutes but it wasn't really that close I mean the the Raiders had to have the ball on offense and they had to move the ball a ton and Chiefs were playing a little bit softer because they knew that they could and that's what I really want to see I want to see a controlled game from the Chiefs and really on the ground because again going into the postseason I think a massive asset for this team is going to be able to keep the other team's elite quarterbacks off the field. And you do that by having a really great run game to complement, of course, what Patrick Mahomes can be doing in the passing game. But I have felt over the last three or four weeks that there have been a handful of times or a handful of drives when it's like, you really could have emphasized running the clock a little bit more there. You know, just like keep it, keeping the ball (laughs) on the ground, keeping the clock moving. And I don't know... Obviously, I say this all the time. Andy Reid forgets more about the game of football than I'll ever know. No, but I, I sometimes I wonder, like, okay, are they not running the ball because they don't trust their run game, or are they not running the ball just because they kind of want to try some other things in the passing game, like shorter passing game stuff, to almost like be a pseudo run game when they get into the playoffs because they know that the ball is obviously best when it's in Patrick Mahomes' hands. So I don't really know if they're just trying things or if they don't trust their run game. Cause if it's the latter, 
I get a little bit worried about that once we get into postseason play, especially with neutral sites now involved with uh, the AFC Championship game and all that kinds of stuff. So I want to see a good run game, control the clock, control time possession. That's what I'd love to see from Kansas City this week. I say this very tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's almost confirmation confirmation bias within Coach Reed's own head. Because we've been talking about Andy Reed needing to run the ball more, going back to uh, times with LaShawn McCoy as a rookie in the Eagles. And it was his the knock on it. And I think he always convinces himself, even in like obvious four-minute running situations, like, hey, run the clock a little bit. That in his head, he's like, they expect me to run so we can pass it here because right. they're not sure. expected. It sure. all leads to passing makes the most sense in this situation, <laughs> even when uh, obvious running situations could come. Obviously, uh, a little tongue-in-cheek there. But yeah, for me, what I want to see, and I've said the last few weeks, obviously no injuries uh, being the most important thing for the Chiefs, but uh, clean up the turnovers. If there's one thing that could slow the Chiefs or stop the Chiefs ultimately, I feel like if they don't win in the playoffs, if they don't go as far as Chiefs fans expect, which is get to the AFC title game and then play a good football game against either the Bills or the Bengals, uh, most likely scenario that they play one of those two teams. So, uh, And then it's kind of a coin flip uh, because of how good those teams have played against the Chiefs, but don't turn the ball over. That's going to be what slows them down. And then special teams. I want to see Harrison Bucker come out and make three field goals, make his two extra points, and then at least for one game have us feel like that part of the Chiefs special teams unit is trending in the right direction because it has been so inconsistent. And it's been such a hot topic here over the last three, four weeks in Kansas City about who's to blame, what's going wrong. I don't care who's to blame. Just figure it out. And if we can have a good performance in a very controlled environment out in Las Vegas in the dome with, you know, the uh, the playing surface being what it is, uh, the weather out in Vegas being what it's a very just get it right and feel good about your performance going into playoffs. No turnovers, get the special teams and the kicking game figured out. Uh, that's what I would love to see. But that is all we've got for this episode of KCSN Update with Pro Football Focus is Trevor Sycamore. You can catch him every day on his podcast with fellow PFF uh, analyst Mike Renner on It's Just Football. Make sure to check that out. Not just to get Chiefs nuggets, but nuggets across the entire NFL. If you were the betting type, I'm sure there's lots of little nuggets and information that can help you uh, make your own decisions with that. But uh, a lot of good stuff from Trevor, and we appreciate you for listening to this episode and supporting what we've got going on at KC Sports Network. We'll have more content getting you ready for the Chiefs and Raiders on Saturday. Looking forward to everybody who's coming out to Holiday Distillery up in Weston to do the watch party deal with us. If uh, you're still looking for a place to watch the game, we got our social media. Check our social media channels. We got a link to sign up. Come hang out. Got about I think, 50, 60 people coming out right now, so it should be a good time. But uh, again, have a safe and uh, happy Friday and uh, praying for good news from the DeMar Hamlin camp uh, as we continue to wait and hopefully hear more good news from that. So we'll see you all later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.